Welcome to The Culture Bar, a panel discussion podcast exploring, dissecting and shedding light on important topics in the arts and music world which matter to you. Welcome to Creative Iceland, a special Culture Bar podcast series focusing on the creative scene in Iceland. I am Arna Margaret Jónsdóttir from Harrison Parrot and I will be your host on this series where I will be speaking with fellow Icelanders about various topics related to the creative scene in Iceland. For our first episode, we are joined by Dr. Arnar Ekir Thoratsen, an Icelandic music journalist and scholar, and we will discuss the popular assertion that the unique natural environment is the source of creative inspiration for artists and creatives in Iceland. Iceland has long been associated with a high level of creativity, and many believe the country's striking natural environment is a major contributing factor when it comes to creative inspiration. During this interview, we will focus on the music scene and explore why this connection between nature and creativity has become so dominant in the discourse around the creative scene in Iceland and how it affects the artists and the scene as a whole. Thoratsen is the director of the Undergraduate Media and Communication Studies program at the University of Iceland. He earned his master's degree from the University of Edinburgh in 2013 and a PhD in 2019 from the same university where he carried out a research on the social dynamics of Icelandic musician under the supervision of Professor Simon Frith. He is the author of three books on Icelandic music, with the fourth in the writing stage. He's been writing about music and popular culture since 1999, mainly for Morgunbladet Daily, but his writings have also appeared in article collections and music sites abroad. So, hello, Arnar, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, I think, yeah, we can perhaps start this off by you telling us a bit more about yourself. Well, uh, as you said in the introduction, I think it's all covered, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working here in the Academia of Iceland, uh, looking into um, uh, sociology and, uh, you know, the music culture and teaching like cultural sociology. But I'm also a music critic, so I've been writing a lot about Icelandic musicians and I'm also part of a lot of music juries or, you know, you know, deciding who gets a prize and who not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been doing all kinds of music activities and one of them, you know, really going into it academic-wise and like my, my PhD uh, handled the... Uh, society, if, if we can say that, of Icelandic musicians. And of course, the topic that we are going to address today all, 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 always comes into play. <laughs> Great, so thank you. I think, um, yes, we will perhaps just uh, begin with a more general discourse mm -hmm. around the nature-inspiring creativity topic. And mm -hmm. is it a well-known motive? Well, it's a well-known motive, but uh, uh, we have to, and this has been contested, and it has been contested more of late. Uh, I think maybe 15, 20 years ago, it was uh, more taken as a given, but as people have looked at matters more closely, and like I did in my uh, PhD, um, you know, of course, Icelandic nature has an effect in some way, but you know, it's much more weaker, I would propose, than uh, people uh, want it to be. And when I, I think there's a key, 
what people wanted to be. Uh, foreign journalists wanted to be simple and they wanted to be very direct influence on music making here in Iceland. But when you talk about the actual Icelandic musicians, you hear another story. So this is uh, a fabricated uh, discourse, you know, made by uh, journalists to sell headlines, you know. And, you know, it's completely understandable. That's just how, how the media works. So there has been a, a very interesting challenge and interesting, you could say, literature to try to deconstruct this myth of, uh, of, of what you're addressing here. Just so I, I take the topic and throw it out of the window at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but of course, yeah, this is part of the topic. So really interesting. And maybe if you can elaborate a bit more on the researches and what they have found. Yeah, uh, like uh, uh, two things just from the top of my head. And so I won't forget uh, a friend of mine, Nick Pryor, which is a cultural sociologist at the University of Edinburgh. He did a very nice, I would say groundbreaking uh, research here in Iceland where he came to Reykjavik and just made a, you know, on the ground sociological research on what was actually going on with the Icelandic musicians. And just the title of the article is, it's not a nature thing, it's a social thing. <laughs> so he found out, which, you know, somehow is quite clear when you just think about it uh, logically that, you know, the Icelandic music society is driven by individuals and connections. It's not driven by walking up on mountain Asia and look over the uh, landscape and get inspired by that. You know, it's too simple. Um, but I understand, you know, especially like music export offices, tourist offices, wherever they are, they need simple messages. So that's why this, you know, whoa, do you live in Iceland? So you must be a great musician and make a beautiful music because you saw a lava field yesterday. Uh, and, you know, that's fine. But, but, but when, when you go to the nitty gritty of it, 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 it isn't true. And then I partook in an article the other day with uh, my colleagues here in the university where, where a discourse, you know, media discourse was analyzed, you know, how like the British media uh, writes about Icelandic music and it's all you know in that way you know easy um, easy similarities between you know Jomsi's guitar from Seuro sounds like molten lava and all that and uh, <laughs> and I've been thinking what about rock bands from Hawaii do, do their guitars also sound like volcanoes you know you know <laughs> That's a really good point, yeah. <laughs> there are volcanoes in Hawaii, but yeah. there's no scene in Hawaii where, where the, 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 the pop bands there, that their uh, little Hawaiian guitars sound like molten lava. So, you know, just this statement absolutely uh, demolishes the argument somehow. And uh, so it's, it's but I, I understand that also this Nordic thing and the cold and all this dramatic thing which the musicians, of course, play up to as well. That makes it a little bit uh, complex, you know, when the musicians themselves are also um, uh, like feeding, feeding this machine. And, uh, but yeah, and we both found out in this, this, this uh, analyzing the, the, the media discourse that uh, there were these cheap allegories and also 
Icelandic musicians always just liken to other Icelandic musicians, you know, especially young, uh, young woman uh, musicians are always uh, likened to Björk, you know. So, you know, but as I'm a journalist myself, I, I have no, you know, I know how these things works as well. You know, you, you, you need simple things and you're working on the stress. And when you go to the Iceland Airways Festival, um, the editor wants lava and, uh, and geysers. It's as simple as that. If you, if you look at how people have written about Iceland Airways Festival, it's always the same uh, article you're reading about how the crazy Icelanders are and, you know, how creative they are and, and then this nature thing, you know. And I, I don't want to sound too um, sarcastic or anything like that, but, you know, it's not as simple as people would like to have it. Yeah. So how do you think this affects the overall image of the creative scene in Iceland when it's just focusing perhaps so much on this nature connection? There are two things, or, or there's one thing with two sides going on, which I find really interesting, that of course some Icelandic musicians play up to, you know, what is uh, needed from them or what is expected. And, you know, and, and I've talked to some musicians and they have the sense that in some way some artists are doing things, maybe not straight from the heart, but what uh, they think will uh, have an effect like, you know, doing videos in, in the beaches and, and, you know, this nature kind of videos. Uh, then there are Icelandic musicians, musicians that are, you know, like, you know, um, contesting this and, you know, they don't want to take part of it. And, you know, they say, which is true, you know, I, I've never went went outside of Reykjavik, you know. I'm, I'm a city kid, you know. I, I just listened to Velvet Underground and, and Sonic Youth and I'm just holed up in a garage in the west side of Reykjavik doing indie music which I read about in the, in the, in the British press. So uh, this is kind of uh, taking people down that, you know, all Western societies are, you know, it's just people go, go, you know, there's all kinds of people in Iceland. There are creative people, but there's also, you know, people are always so um, shocked when I tell them that we, we, we also have bad musicians in Iceland. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit the criteria. <laughs> wow, yeah. You know, everything is great. Everything is beautiful. Yeah. So do you think um, perhaps if we move this a bit into then the exercise in nation branding, so this is then quite connected, perhaps in some way. Yeah, uh, as I said, just if 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 I turn myself into a cold shark, you know, and I worked with you know the, you know the 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 export music office in Iceland and and all these people who are you know and more power to them, naturally trying to sell Icelandic music abroad, and you know it just needs some tricks, tricks of the trade. You know, and that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not saying it's a bad thing. It's just part of how things work. Um, so, so, so we have that. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a bit of, or, you know, of this nation branding, you know, like, you know, 
trying to lure people into Iceland to record. And then you say, you know, come to Iceland to record because it's so beautiful here. And, you know, it's true. It's beautiful here. And people go maybe to scenic studios outside in the, outside in the country. And, uh, you know, that, that somehow works. But, uh, but as I say, sometimes it, it goes too far, like with this, this nation branding. And I'm very uneasy with, you know, talking about music and branding. But I can't say a lot, you know, my, my field of expertise is pop music, <laughs> which is a manufactured music at, at, at the heart of it, you know. So I can't say anything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the devil's advocate. So do you think, yeah, like you mentioned, that some artists might find this um, discourse around this a bit restricting when it comes to creating and having to play up to this? Yeah, you know, in, in a way, you know, uh, of course, we have all kinds of music in Iceland and, and you know, some of it um, uh, aligns to these uh, things, some not. I'm thinking of like Kaila Mikla, our, our Gothic band, three girls doing this Gothic music. And they somehow managed to cover two fields at once. They're doing this straight, uh, you know, general Gothic stuff, which has been going for 30, 40 years. But they also have this Nordic Wixen, uh, you know, something magical happening side to them too. But they could be from Norway or Sweden or Finland, you know. Uh, um, they couldn't be from Morocco, but, you know, they have this Nordic, Icelandic thing, but also so somehow general, you know. And now I've completely forgotten what you were asking me about. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was just if some uh, artists or creatives might think uh, that this uh, label around nature and like acts as a restriction when they are mm -hmm. creating and they have to create something specifically to yeah. fit into I, this. Yeah. But I think, you know, um, I think some, um, you know, some bands are just doing their stuff. Like we have recce bands in Iceland who are just doing their, their Nordic recce somehow. And, uh, and, and, you know, they don't think about this. Then I think about band like Solstavir, which is like an atmospheric black metal band. And they somehow connect to nature in, in, in all the right ways. You know, they have this vast, epic uh, songs that remind of, uh, you know, hailstorm or, 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 you know, something like that. And I think they haven't thought that far about it. They're, they're in a way, just doing their stuff. And, you know, if it fits into some kind of a Nordic ideas about music, then fine. You know, I think that's a good example of a band that's truthful to their art. But it just so happens that it takes all the right Nordic uh, branding boxes. So I would never, you know, accuse them of, you know, you're playing up to what's expected because they are not. And then, you know, it's also difficult to judge, you know. And, you know, and I was going to say, I'm not going to judge, but I'm a music critic, so I'm, <laughs> constant, I'm constantly judging these things. So, um, do you perhaps think that uh, yeah, musicians and all the artists that are not maybe uh, in this kind of uh, 
nature box mm -hmm. do they have more difficult time getting their art outside of iceland that's a really good question um it's interesting i'm, I'm going to give an example here that the bands were traveling abroad to Iceland, like Ausgeir, uh, Soleil. Um, you know, it seems to be a um, market for these kind of Scandinavian indie type things with a touch of experimental Björkisness to it or so, something like that. It's like this uh, road has been established somehow. Uh, but then let's take Icelandic hip hop, for example. You know, first of all, there has not been made any real effort of branding it outside of Iceland. But then maybe, and I'm thinking out loud here, it seemed to be a bit harder to, you know, hey, here is a hip hop group from Iceland. And uh, I don't know. And then, you know, because there's a very strong, there's very strong hip hop scenes in like Sweden, Norway, uh, Denmark and Finland often with, uh, you know, immigrants are often leading these scenes. Uh, but it's, it, it's, it's like, it's more difficult for them to travel. I'm thinking about artists like Lika Lee from Sweden and these Aver uh, uh, from the Faroe Islands and maybe Soleil Björk from Iceland, these, these Scandinavian noir princesses. They seem to have more access to international markets for some reason. I find it interesting that, um, and like at the start of our talk and, you know, questions that I often get from, let's say, foreign uh, journalists is they assume there's a very direct influence from nature to creativity in Iceland. Mm. And I think, you know, then if, if I'm imagining I'm talking to a foreign journalist now, I have to ask, can you explain to me how that works? Mm -hmm. are, are you saying that if a four-year-old child, you know, travels around with its parents, you know, around Iceland, are you telling me that being exposed to, the, to this beautiful nature will affect some kind of a, a songwriting? Maybe, but I think it's really difficult to, to see a direct, uh, you know, connection. Uh, of course, it finds uh, uh, finds a way in, in some ways. You know, you, you write you write things about what you see around you, but that is applicable to every nation. You know, musicians from Croatia they maybe write about beautiful lakes and you know being you know stuff like that. Even if you're in Denmark, you know. <laughs> Uh, the Icelanders, of course, use every opportunity to take a little bit of dick at the Danes. But, you know, even them, you know, they, they can somehow just write about things that are around us. You know, I, I think that's just uh, being an artist, you know, being from Greenland or Denmark or, or Russia. You, you can write about the things that are around you. So I think maybe that the nature has this huge effect. I, I think we have to slow down a little bit. Yeah, and also, yeah, like you discussed, so many, many other countries have great nature, but somehow mm -hmm. they are not linked to this, like, nature-inspiring um, creativity, like it is in Iceland. 
Yes, it's, I think we're also benefiting from kind of a romantic ideal that like the Brits and the US have of the North. And you know, this has been called uh, by my friend Kristin Skram, and uh, he's a folklorist. Uh, this effect that he calls Borealism, mm. which we can connect into Orientalism. That you know, if and I, I, I met people like this in Scotland when I was doing my studies, that they have these, you know, rose-tinted glasses view of the north, you know, that the jazz from the north is some kind of inspired by the tundra, and you know, and and you know, when you want things to be somehow, you, you're you're so eager. To, to that you're, you're kind of imagining that they are like that. You know? it, it's a really strong uh, it, a driver in, in people, it seems. And I met these people where they admitted, you know, I have to admit, I have a very romantic view of, you know, North Norway, Iceland, blah, blah, blah. Then often when, when people come to Iceland and see people going into grocery stores, you know, <laughs> this, this this might somehow crumbles. Yeah, seeing that Icelandic people are just regular people that need to do their grocery shopping. Yeah, like people in Scotland and, and England. Just a, a, a Western nation, first and yeah. foremost. So yeah, like you're talking about, it's more from the outside in than from in to the outside. Yes, that's what I've... Uh, that's what I've, that's my feeling that, uh, that the Icelandic music scene somehow gets caught up in, you know, a big media machine in the UK and the US where people are churning out articles about the Northern Lights and the Tundra and whatever. And then somehow, you know, reality begins to be distorted. And like, you know, Orientalism and Borealism, it's, it's, it's like a cartoonic view of what's happening in these countries. Mm. And, you know, we want exciting stuff. We want them to be more adventurous than they really are. And, you know, that's just, I think that's just a part of being a human being. You know, I had, when I moved to Scotland, I had very romantic ideas about Scotland. But there were much less kilts, less backpacks, and less things that I had imagined. There were people, unfortunately, going to grocery stores. So my, my, my ideas about Scotland crumbled. And now, um, in Iceland, uh, of course, yeah, as we mentioned a bit earlier about the nation branding, uh, mm -hmm. now we had a campaign in Iceland called Inspired by Iceland. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, that was the result of the financial crash in Iceland and a volcano eruption. So we were kind of building back and trying to get uh, tourists to come and visit the country. Um, and I th mainly the two focus of this campaign was the nature and the creativity. Inspired by Iceland, nature and creativity. Yes, you know, as I say, understandable. <laughs> and I've made my academic case. Um, and uh, as I say, inspired by Iceland, that, that thing is, is, is as I say, a, a very understandable effort of when you're, you know, doing 
tourist, tourist efforts. Like the Iceland Airways Festival was established at the time to generate more tourists mm. and, you know, getting when we had mainly summer tourists, not winter tourists. Now we even don't need any effort because it's, you know, all year around. But it's always two-folded, you know. It's, it's not only, you know, great for the music industry, but also just to generate, how can we get people to Iceland? And then you throw these, 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 these lines at them. And, uh, and you heard about the story, there's a movie which was made in the middle of the 20th century in Hollywood called Brigadoon, if I remember correctly, which was supposed to happen in Scotland. And the Hollywood producers went to Scotland to find locations. And they went back and said, we can't shoot this movie in Scotland because there's nothing in Scotland that reminds us of Scotland. So they made a set in Hollywood. So I think this is a very clear example of, you know, <laughs> that they, they had very fixed ideals of how Scottish things were. So they just made them themselves instead of going to a location. This is a very twisted thing, but also, you know, when, when you're making these cartoonic ideals, you can never live up to them when you're actually going into the, into the place. Like, the poor tourists, you know, the, their first spot in Reykjavik is, is usually going to BSE, the most dreadful bus station in the world, you know. <laughs> Nothing creative or, or beautiful about it. It's just dreadful. Yes. So uh, perhaps in your opinion, um, listening to what you have talked about, what are the main things that contribute to the creative scene in Iceland? Really good. Another good, good question. Um, I think we have to look at the proximity of the sea. You know, uh, we are few, 350,000. Uh, everybody knows each other. And this uh, non-bureaucratic way of living uh, generates often high-speed doing, you know. And, and, and you as an Icelander, you know all about this, you know, people just charge into things and they make them happen. And, you know, there are theories that this is because of the old, you know, you had to go to fish when the fish was in the sea. So you had to be flexible. And this, um, just this construct of how people talk amongst themselves, how the all the institutions here are, you know, lightweight in that, you know, you can absolutely walk into the offices of people and say, hi, how are you doing? I met you last weekend at my mom's birthday party and stuff like that. Uh, the musicians themselves have told me that this inspires them or makes it easier for them to go ahead, you know. Both, you know, it's, it's easy in that way that there are people ready to help them. And also, when you know people in your, you know, proximity that, you know, that your friend's brother is a famous pop star, then you, you know, automatically think, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. And uh, so now I'm painting a very beautiful sociological picture of things. <laughs> but this is one of the social factors here in Iceland that is driving the music scene here. I think we can't contest that. And, you know, 
also the big cooperations between all these small things that you know if you're in a if you're a young player in a jazz band you probably know this guy in the hip hop band or you at least know who he is so all these uh, uh, cooperations between genres is also very beautiful to see this of course stifles things as well you know that you're always playing with the same people and the same audience but this at least gets you out of bed it seems yes yeah you've read about some like musicians being in five bands and the genre mm. is like one of it it's jazz bands one of like a pop band so as you mentioned yeah i think that is a a really big factor how easily you can create something with people and you don't have to kind of label yourself i think you, you, yeah you can't mm. it, you can't be a um, working musician in iceland and decide i'm only gonna play jazz because you just don't, don't get that many gigs so you have to be versatile and and of course this has been romant romanticized as well this how Icelanders always do things, la 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 la, and they're so unafraid, and they just, you know, run into things, you know, la 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 la. Also, this has been romanticized, but there's as well as you know, there's there's truth to it as well, you know. And and and, <laughs> and the poor journalists who come to Iceland and they, they they send me a line, can you meet me? And they all, I always answer, you know, yeah, let's meet tomorrow and have a coffee. They, they can't calculate this in their minds, you know, <laughs> because it's two weeks. Yeah. But yes, you have talked with several journalists. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel like this um, discourse around the nature is getting stronger or is it staying the same? And do you perhaps remember when it started to be such a big motive in mm. uh, journalist writing? Yeah, um, I think. I think this is at least static, maybe not stronger, but at least static because, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm and two other scholars are pointing to other things. I think it's too strong, this image that I think it will uh, persevere. Absolutely. And I think if I'm just going to be, you know, I think just from the sugar cubes and onwards, I think this has been uh, the main discourse, you know, this nature connections starts with the sugar cubes. We go into Bjork and then Guskus and, you know, Guskus had their photos taken in, in, in the mountains and stuff like that. So it's, it's, I, I think it's very, you know, I don't see any, you know, ups and downs in this discourse. I think it's, it has been very steady. Yeah. And then you can talk, is, is it bad? Is it good? I think it goes, you know, both ways. Often yeah. just depends on the artists. Yeah. But you, um, like the uh, export offices, the Iceland Music Exports and mm -hmm. the other creative export offices, do you think they have contributed to this discourse? Yeah, well, of course. And uh, maybe... I <laughs> I have to backtrack a little bit. I hope I wasn't painting them up as, as, as cold sharks, as, as I said, <laughs> because they're not. Because I think, uh, like, 
and I'm just gonna put it out as well. The music export of uh, the Icelandic music export office, which has not been long, you know, it's around 2006, 2007, it was established. I think they've done a great job to, you know, tighten the infrastructure of Icelandic music life mm -hmm. and enabling uh, Icelandic musicians to go abroad. And, you know, you just need to use some, you know, tools of the trade mm -hmm. to, to do that. And, you know, fine. And, uh, but, and I would never, you know, paint them up as, you know, you know, some devils and uh, you know I'm partaking in all kinds of things like I'm, I'm a part of the jury of the Nordic Music Prize and which is some it's which is not the Nordic Council Music Prize which is another uh, award which I'm also a member of the jury there but this North but this Nordic Music Prize was of course like you know how can we you know how can we make people notice more Scandinavian music so one of the things you can do is establish a price and put it in the media to make it more, more visual somehow. Mm -hmm. And you know, tr tricks are used there as well. But the main thing, of course, the end result is just to get the music out there, yeah. get someone to listen, uh, try to you know, get different musicians, you know, get them on their feet and, and that they can have a market and some working market which they can use. Yeah. That would be the beautiful end result which has been established in some cases. You know, like with the Icelandic music export, that, you know, there are Icelandic artists which have, you know, they, they've gotten funds and grants, and, you know, there's a walk-in policy with, with the office. You could walk in, hey, I'm a young musician, I don't know anything, can you assist me? And, and he will mm -hmm. get an interview. Yeah. And it's also quite interesting to see that we have had a lot of famous artists in Iceland uh, coming to Iceland, like Justin Bieber, mm -hmm. and he did a video in the nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, also filming is quite popular now in Iceland. Yes, and you know, you know great, you know, great stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it's too blatantly obvious to not use these opportunities. You know, a setting for some some kind of a Lord of the Rings movie, and you have the perfect landscape to to uh, um, you know help the set, help the movie. Fine, and you get all these people in, and they are buying sandwiches and food. So you know, I, I'm I sound like a capitalist now, but I'm all for this as well. <laughs> you know, why why the hell not? Yeah. So, uh, but, but that's, a, it's a long uh, talk over the coffee, you know, artistic integrity, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever met an artist that is completely against this nature thing and really is angry with how this has developed? <laughs> um, I think some of them just get a little bit tired at yeah. times. And you get these, and it, that's also understandable that uh, around airwaves, when all these uh, uh, music tourists come to Iceland and, and the, the Icelandic music nerds, uh, the Faroe Island, our brothers and sisters in the Faroe Island, they call these people Faroe freaks. 
you know, people maybe living in Seattle and they're obsessed, you know, by Icelandic music, you know, and they buy everything that they can buy and whatever, and, and, and you know, and they come. And just to give you an example, there was a band and the photographer comes and you say, hey, I, I want to take you horseback riding in the mountains for this photo session. And they say, I've never ridden a horse in my life, you know. You know, I, 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 to answer the question, I, I think maybe they get tired, but I think most of them are, are, are clever and, you know, they know it just comes with the, what do you say, it just comes with the territory, you know. Mm. You, you just can't escape it. Um, you can maybe control it a little bit, what you're, uh, um, what you're willing to do. And we have artists that make a sarcastic play out of this. I remember a very nice promotional photo of Mukisum, where he was screaming in some kind of a seaman's uh, outfit. You know, it was very overboard image of an Icelandic fisherman. And you could see that he was poking fun at, at what people want to see. And also our, our, our Viking rock band, Skalmöld, they have also, you know, kind of joked about this, you know, and then made over-the-top promotional photos of it. I, I always like this when people can somehow go out of the frame and, and just, you know, nod their heads somehow. Yeah. But generally, I think Icelanders, as I say, you know, just goes, goes with the territory. It's just have to accept that. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you so much for talking about this uh, topic. It was really interesting to hear more about it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening and please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, The Culture Bar. Mm -hmm.